everything. I'm now going to hand over to Melanie, who is going to come and speak to us this morning. Um, she's been wonderful. She's jumped in at the last minute because of me and my general uh, sickness. Um, but when I went to see the nurse, she said I was very brave. I just want to say that. When, when she saw, she looked down my throat, and when she saw the state of the, the mess down there, she went, oh, you must be very brave. That looks so painful. To which I have been telling everyone that. So here's Melanie. Am I on? That's quite handy. On this denim skirt, I've got pockets really low down. And I thought to myself, why would you ever want pockets right down there? You can't even get in them. Now I know. Look at that. My skirt was made for this. Okay, this morning, my name's Melanie, if you haven't met me already. Um, I'm obviously part of Real Life Church. I moved up here from Bishop Stortford with my husband, Stuart, and Levi to help start this church. And since being here, I've had another baby and started a church. And sometimes I speak and sometimes I do kids' work. So it's, that's church planting, isn't it? You basically get on with whatever. Um, this morning, I, I want to talk to you really about the close of a chapter and the beginning of a new one. I want to talk about what it's like to finish here and go somewhere else. I want to talk to us a bit about what it is we're seeing that God is saying to us here and what it is we're going to take with us into our new place. So I'm going to read a couple of scriptures and I've got a DVD clip to help me out with with helping you visualise the scriptures. I said to Stuart, this kind of feels like it's an extended prophetic word. So if I'm a bit all over the place, I make no apology. It isn't a biblical exposition of this passage. It is just some things that I feel the Spirit is saying to us and wanting us to be stirred in. If you're new here this morning and you're not used to this kind of preaching, um, just go with me, alright? We will obviously look at the Bible, I will refer to the text many times, but it will have much more of a prophetic feel to it. So in places it may feel a little bit odd or a little bit weird to you, um, just go with it, alright? If at the end you want to ask me any questions, I'm going to hang around down the front, probably with a toddler hanging off my leg and Uh, a baby hanging off my arm, but if you want to chat to me about it, that would be absolutely fine. I'm going to read from Ezekiel 37, 1 to 14. So if you've got a Bible and you want to turn to that, please do. If you haven't, I'm going to read it for you. Ezekiel 37 is a... If you've never read the book, Ezekiel, you should read it. It is one of the weirdest and wonderful books in the Bible. It's one of those ones where you spend most of the chapters scratching your head going, what is going on? It's, it's very visual. It's, in a moment, I'm going to show you a clip and you'll understand why. It's kind of Lord of the Ringsy. It's got this kind of deep, dark, moody army thing going on all the time. It's just fantastic as a book. It reminds me quite a lot of Revelation, of Daniel. It's got that kind of prophetic-y, weird and wonderful feel about it. People who say to me, oh, I find the Bible boring, I just think, man, you have not read Ezekiel then. So Ezekiel 37, 1 to 14. It's entitled in the ESV, The Valley of Dry Bones. The hand of the Lord was upon me, And he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of a valley. It was full of dry bones and he led me around them and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley and behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, 
O Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord to these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. This word, I don't really know how to pronounce. Do you say it's sinews? Yeah, okay. I will lay new sinews on you and will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded and I prophesied and there was a sound and behold a rattling and the bones came together bone to bone and look and I looked and I behold there were new sinews on them and flesh had come on them and skin had covered them but there was no breath in them and then he said to me prophesy to the breath prophesy son of man and say to the breath thus saith the Lord come from the four winds O breath and breathe on these slain that they may live So I prophesied as I was commanded and the breath came into them and they lived and stood on their feet an exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. Therefore prophesy to them and say, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel, and you shall know that I am the Lord, and I will open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people, and I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live, and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken, and I will do it, declares the Lord. And then if you flip forward into the New Testament, to 1 Peter 2, 4 to 10. And I'm going to read this and then I'm going to talk about both of them. 1 Peter 2, 4 to 10. Both of these are very well known. If you read your Bible, they're very well known scriptures and stories. So, um, as you come to him, a living stone, rejected by man, but in sight of God, chosen and precious, You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him, that's Jesus, will not be put to shame. So the honour is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders have rejected, that's Jesus, has become the cornerstone, which is the most important stone, a stone of stumbling and a rock of offence. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvellous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. I want to talk a little bit about the weird and wonderful Ezekiel passage. Unfortunately, sometimes how I feel about the Old Testament is that because it's been taught a lot out in kids' work, and because the stories have been depicted in kids' toddler Bibles, often as very neat, lovely stories. We can often read the Old Testament with that kind of mindset. So we can read things like Noah's Ark and think, what a beautiful story where two animals walk two by two into the ark and everyone sails away and it's so 
beautiful. And we can forget that that was a terrifying moment in history where God wiped out a people bar Noah and his family and two of every animal. We can forget that that was truly horrific because it's the animals went in two by two, hurrah. Because it's got that kind of feel to it. Because we, we've got little wooden, we've got a wooden ark at home. Stuart always laughs at it. We've got a lovely little wooden ark with little wooden animals. Levi loves playing with it. He likes stuffs loads of stuff in it. And we like play a little game where they all get saved. We don't tell him that loads of people drowned, that it was truly a horrific moment in time. We say, look at the little animals. Sometimes we can read the Old Testament like that. So we can see the valley of dry bones and we can think, oh, like a cartoon, like little bones come together, we've got little skeletons like wandering around and then skin and, and, and then they breathe. Isn't that amazing? We can forget that that was a truly terrifying vision to see. We can forget sometimes that the prophetic works like that, that sometimes we feel like the prophetic is something that should build us up and encourage us. Therefore, it should be all lovely. That isn't how the prophetic works. Sometimes it is truly terrifying, but in the truly terrifying, we're built up and encouraged. So in this truly terrifying vision, we're built up and encouraged that an army arises, that breath comes on them. But actually what Ezekiel sees is this truly terrifying scene of Israel being this basically this graveyard, this wasteland, so often when I read things like Ezekiel, instead of thinking about the toddler Bible and the cute little animals and the nice rainbow and the dove, and I try to think of what it would be like. And my closest thing, if I'm honest, from Revelation, from Daniel, from Ezekiel, are snippets from Lord of the Rings. So things that I, I watch that I go, man, I bet it looked a little something like that. I bet it was dark and terrifying. I spent... The three Lord of the Rings movies, if I was not married to Stuart, I never would have gone to the cinema and seen them. I truly would have missed out on a great experience, but I wouldn't have even known about them, I've got to be honest. It would not be something I would ever watch. I spent most of the second and third movie hidden. I remember because in one of the movies I wore this polar neck and I kept just pulling it up and the girl next to me kept hiding in her dad's arm. She kept pulling away and hiding. I just kept pulling my jumper up like, like this. Truly terrifying moments. So I'm going to play a snippet because I want us to kind of get into what biblical prophecy kind of looks and feels like, what revelation feels like, what Ezekiel feels like. This is about the closest I can get. So have a little watch. Oh, if you've got kids, hide their eyes. I know most of you want to watch a bit more. When those, those skeletons 
arose and came swarming across. When I was watching it, I remember thinking, that is what it must have looked like at the beginning when Ezekiel prophesied over the bones and they came together and they stood. And then God put muscles on them, flesh on them, and suddenly they were this army that just kind of surged in. For a moment in that part of the prophecy, it would have been truly terrifying to be standing. And when Ezekiel says, in the spirit, I was there, he means he was literally standing in the prophetic word. So he means he was, not that he saw it in his mind's eye, but he was in it somehow. So it had kind of a, I imagine it to have some kind of, almost a ghost-like feel about it, like that clip there, with, with people who were clearly people, but had this kind of glow around them that that just kind of looked a bit ghost-like, standing next to a real person, somehow standing next to the Lord as well. So you've got this very weird and wonderful image going on as Ezekiel starts to prophesy. So I want to say a few things about it. First of all, I want to encourage you that the prophetic sometimes is truly terrifying. So sometimes God speaks things or asks you to do things that are good for you, but truly terrifying. If I'm honest, the day the school rang up and said, you can no longer meet here, in our household was a truly terrifying day because we knew that when we moved up here, we wrote to every school. This school was the only school that said they would have us. For us, we were like, crumbs, we're growing. We've got a great group of people here. We now have no venue. Oh my. And you stand before things that truly just rock you and make you think, what have we done? What are we doing? What are we going to do? Sometimes when God moves, sometimes when the prophetic comes, that's exactly what it looks like. So if you have words that terrify you, likelihood is it's from God. Likelihood is you should seek to be like Ezekiel, really, and just get on board and just be like, okay, valley of dry bones, I've got to speak to them, they've got to get up and live, all right. And you might feel sometimes like the prophetic over your life is like that that you're feeling like, I have to speak to those dry bones, they have to take on flesh and they have to live, sometimes that's what it can feel like when God speaks to you. It can look not even close to impossible, it can look totally impossible. What I like in the story is that Ezekiel first took stock of what was going on. Sometimes, I I struggle sometimes with Christianity because sometimes as Christians we live in a very unreal state. So stuff goes wrong in our life and everyone says, oh, well, I'm sure God's got a plan. And you're like, but there's something terribly wrong here. I need to grieve, I need to mourn. But suddenly it's, okay, God's probably got a plan here. God surely works for the good of all who love him. And it seems like we cannot just say, do you know what, this sucks. This is hard. This is painful. I love that Ezekiel looked around, bearing in mind he's in the presence of the Lord, looked around and said, there's a valley of dry bones. He didn't look around and try and gloss it up and say, oh, because I'm with the Lord, I probably ought to have eyes of faith. I probably ought to be able to see life here. I probably ought to be able to see skin and breath. And and so I'll just kind of whip that one up. He said, actually, it's very dry here. It's very dry. He took stock, really, of what was going on and said, Actually, Lord, there's a valley of dry bones and they are everywhere. And I think for us, at this point in our journey as Real Life Church, we need to just take stock and we need to look around us and we need to say, actually, this for us is a bit of a loss. 
And we need to be all right with that. We need to be able to say in our lives that, that actually, God, when we look around us, we think, we thought we were supposed to be here. And it's okay to take stock and say, this is what we thought. So when I look around here, this to me, partly because it's a girls' school, but it's a very well-looked-after school, so it's clean. The toilets are always clean. This room is always clean. It's got a nice feel about it. The chairs are comfortable. And you might laugh at that, but I tell you, when we first moved here, we had a dream day where we got the core of us who came here together and said, let's dream and let's dream big and let's say what we want. Without a doubt, every single person around the table said, I'd like comfy chairs. Bearing in mind, we were saying, let's dream big, let's think about... Every single person said, oh, comfy chairs, comfy chairs, comfy chairs. And it's not really because we just want to sit here and slob out. It's just because it makes the whole experience easier. If you've got to sit on a hard, cold, wooden seat, it makes the preach seem longer. If you sit in a nice, comfy one with a coffee in your hands and a donut in the other, it feels all right. You can sit and listen for 40 minutes to us going on. So comfy seats was one of our things. We were like, we want comfy seats. We um, know that this is a well-known school. So in the town, it is known. So if you say, I've said to lots of people, oh, we meet at the girls' grammar school. Oh, I know exactly where that is. I know someone who went there. I went there. It is very well-known. It's nicely situated. It's right in the town centre. It's easy to get to, easy access. When we first came in here, our first Sunday meeting, I think there were about 16 of us so we looked small. Uh, we all looked around and felt like, wow, we are going to be able to be big here. We're going to be able to grow and expand. This has a great feel about it. Even the prophetic that was coming through felt like this was a good place for us to be. When Matt Partridge came to speak, he's the guy that oversees us, he said, I see this room being filled up. And we all went, yeah, so do we. Like one week we came in here and they'd laid it all out, chairs everywhere, because they'd had a bingo night or something. So there were chairs everywhere. We walked in, we were like, wow, imagine this. So as I look around, I want to be honest with you and say, this feels like a good place, a clean place, a tidy place, a well-situated place. But there are various chunks in the year that we can't have this place. So the whole of the summer, we only found this out recently, we can never have this over the summer. Exam periods, we can't have this room. Any time that our caretaker is ill or falls over, there's no backup. So we have had to cancel church meetings on a Friday because we can't have the venue. So there are good things and there are not so good things. The kids' room, if you've ever been out into kids, if you haven't, well, shame on you. You should go out there. Those kids are awesome. Um, it's getting too small because we are growing. Look around you. We're growing. And we're growing with young families. So we're growing with... We're growing in, in loads of areas, but our kids' work is up to about 15 kids if they all rock up, if their parents bring them. That's a lot of children in a room that size. And so there are areas here where we feel a little bit like, mm, maybe, maybe not. The front door and the front gate get closed 
as soon as we're in here, which if anybody turned up late or wandered by, or it's hard for them to gain access. It's a long walk from the car park to get to here. So if you were new, that can kind of feel a little bit uncomfortable, just kind of wandering around thinking, am I in the right place? Do I know where I'm going? Um, so there are things about here that is not so great. The new place that we're going to look at that we're going to meet in next week. Let me be up front. It is dirtier than here. We are going to need to get there an hour early and give it a good clean. It is dirtier than here. Because instead of being a girls' school, it's a youth facility, which is used by the town, the public. And so it's not got the same level of care. It hasn't got the same amount of money. Last year, they had 60% of their budget cut. So you can tell that things like refurbishing cleaners paint jobs have gone out the window. If you have 60% of your budget cut, those things are going to go straight away. The toilets are a disgrace. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, I, am, I, I think I slightly have a public toilet phobia, all right? I'll just keep it quiet. I very rarely go in public loos. My mum said I would come home from school bursting to go to the toilet every day because I just did not like the toilets at school. Um, the toilets here are clean and nice. The toilets there are slightly dirtier and scruffier. Um, I will need to clean them if I'm ever going to make use of them. That, like, if you want to look around and take honest reflection on what's going on, that's what's going on. It's tucked away a bit, but it is extremely well-known as a venue. I would suggest that it's more well-known than this school in the town. So I've been chatting to people and they said, oh, we used to go there. We've got friends who went there. We know about there. We've done this there. We've done that there. It's used a lot by the community. There's loads every day they've got stuff going on in that venue. Um, A church has previously used it for well over a year and found it to be a good place to be. We would be a blessing if we went there. Financially, we would be a blessing. But I feel sure that also as a people, we would be a blessing. Even just, I know that we would clean it up. And so we would be a blessing to what it looks like. It's cheaper. So we would have more money to do. It's almost half the price of meeting here. So we would have more money to do other things. There's lots going on. We would probably get our own keys and we would definitely get some storage. At present, Stuart and I take home all this stuff and it lives in our house, not the PA. No, we don't have a house big enough for that. Matt and Phil take the PA home. At present, we take home all this gear and it is stored in our homes and then we bring it all back again. Um, it would be lovely. I would personally love to have a cupboard somewhere that I could throw all that stuff. Yeah, the Yates would. We'd like some of our house back. That would be awesome. I love that Ezekiel listened to God and looked around and took stock of the situation. That it was upfront and honest. I want to say to you, if you're struggling, you should say to people, I'm struggling. If you say, I'm fine, people are going to assume you're fine and then give you jobs to do and get you doing whatever because they're going to assume you're fine. If you are not fine, you should say, I'm not fine. You should think much more like Ezekiel. You should take stock of your life and your situation, look around and say, actually, this is hard, this is hard, this is good, this is not so good. When we planted Real Life Church, that was part of our heart here, that we wanted a people who really knew and loved Jesus, so were really saved, so really understood that Jesus had died for them, that Jesus had taken on their sin in their place, and that he had rose from the dead so that we could also do the same. 
We really wanted a people that got that. And I don't mind what part of the journey you're on. If you're not a Christian or you are, whatever part, we really want you to understand that Jesus died for you because he loves you and he wants you to be right with God. We really want you to get that. We really want people who know Jesus and say, I'm a Christian, and then people look at your life and go, yeah, you are. And we really want a people that say, I'm struggling, I find this hard, I'm not doing well at this, this is going well, this is not. We do not want a family that fake it. And you know what it's like to be in a family that fake it? It's just hard work all the time. You feel like you have to be this perfect being that you can't ever possibly be ill or be struggling or want to cry at a moment's notice. You feel like you can't just be and crumple. Sometimes in our kind of churches, when people feel rubbish, they stop coming to church. Like that in and of itself could make me cry. Because I think we're better to be than the people of God when you're struggling. But actually, most people remove themselves when they're struggling because they feel like this is probably the place where I'll be judged. This is probably the place where I'm going to have to somehow whip up, I'm fine and I'm okay. So when we planted Real Life Church, we had this idea in our head that we would be people who really knew Jesus but also really knew each other. So I had a disappointing day yesterday. I had a rant in the car on the way home. I also cried before I went to bed because it was my friend's wedding. My boys have been ill all week. My husband then gets ill. We then drive two and a half hours to get to this wedding. We manage. I sit in the back room of a church playing with my boys. So I don't even, because they're just going nuts and it's an Anglican church and they can't do laps like they do here. Um, So I sit in a back room. It's not even a nice back room with a box of toys and my boys, driven two and a half hours, an hour of it, my smallest boy crying. Um, So I sit in this room. Stuart preaches. We get to the end and Stuart says, I'm sorry, I'm so ill, we have to go home. We then get back in the car Asha cries for an hour all the way home. Two and a half hours home, sleeps an hour and a half of it, cries the rest of the time. I get home. Honest to God, I just thought, I, I'm so angry, disappointed, sad, just I wanted to be part of the day. I do, the whole thing. I, I went to bed, I was like, God, we're starting again tomorrow. This sucks. Um, and that's honestly how I'm doing. So if I told you this morning I'm fine, mm, that was a lie. That was probably because I wanted to just get on with whatever I was doing. So I want us to be a people that can say, do you know what, sometimes I fall apart and sometimes I find this hard. And sometimes, Like Ezekiel, we look around and go, do you know what, it is dry and there are bones everywhere. But then I want us to be a people like Ezekiel that look to God. So God then speaks into this situation. And this is where I feel the moment we're at. So they've said to us, we cannot meet here anymore. They cannot get a caretaker to cover it. So we have to move now. And this is the moment we're at where we've taken stock and gone, okay, for all these reasons, this is a great place for us to be. For all these reasons, this is a great place for us to be physically and spiritually. And we've taken stock, looked around, and now we're saying, okay, God, tell us about the breath. Tell us about the skin. Tell us about the bones coming together. That's the point that we're at now. And there's a lovely moment in this where Ezekiel starts speaking to the bones. Have you ever 
felt God speak to you on a Sunday morning and wimped out of speaking it out? So you felt God prompt you about a passage, a picture, a something. Put your hand up if you've ever... I'll raise mine. I have done it a million times. I kick myself every time. Ezekiel had to stand up and speak to dry bones and say, come together, have flesh, get up, walk. Like, that puts all of my prophetic words into perspective, if I'm honest. God has never asked me to do that. I have never been asked to get up and prophesy over dry bones and make them live. Ezekiel stood up and spoke to the bones. Why did he do that? Because he knew God. Because he knew the one who said, if you speak to them, they'll live. And he got it. He was like, all right, God, that's the place that we're at, where we know God has spoken to us as a church. So let me remind you, God has said we're to be a large, influential, reproducing church. Through various different pictures of words, God has repeatedly said that to Stuart and myself over our entire Christian lives, that this is the kind of thing we would build. Since we've been here, we have had repeated prophetic words that that confirm that. So we've had, we've had a word about a dam waiting to bust and that what will come in on the back of that is powerful, large, and will just sweep us away, sweep God in, sweep people in. We've had the picture of the piñata. Do you know those donkey things that you bash and they bust open, they've got sweets in That that is hovering over us and our prayers simply are just knocking away at something that God has for us that is large, that is going to spill out, We've had stuff about revival. We've had words about revival coming to us, about us living in revival, experiencing revival, bells ringing out, that revival's coming. We've had words about a cloud of God that is resting over us, as in the presence of God. We've had words about this room being filled. All of those things we now pick up and take with us. All of those things we now own as our own. Twelve years ago, Stuart and I got married. And on our wedding day, we had a few friends of ours come and pray for us and prophesy over us. One of the, um, the couples that prophesied over us said to us that our home, our literal home, would be like a fortress. And they said, in that fortress, God would do some amazing things. He would bring salvation in our home. He would bring healing in our home. And he would bring deliverance in our home. When we got married, we lived in a very small flat um, that had those kind of heaters that come out of the wall and blow like a hairdryer. Like, they don't heat and it was cold. It, like, we look back on it and go, oh, first flat. Got to be honest, it was manky. Um, hairdryer heaters, mouldy, yeah. But our flat, we saw people saved, healed and delivered. We saw people become Christians in our flat. We saw people get well in our flat and we saw people delivered from things that had held them back in our flat. When we moved, we moved into a three-bedroom house. Funny, like when you move from a one-bedroom flat into a three-bedroom house, there are at least two rooms with no furniture in them because you didn't have those rooms. So now we couldn't go into a one-bedroom flat because we've lived in a three-bedroom house. But our three-bedroom house, we then lived there for six years and saw many people saved, healed, delivered in that house. We've moved here, and since being here, we've seen definitely one person 
commit our life to Jesus, we've seen people healed and we've seen deliverance in our home. We've prayed with people. We've seen those things in our home. So what happened was the word of God that was spoken into us on our wedding day travelled with us. And it came with us from house to house. It was never dependent on the literal house that we were in, although the word was given to us in our literal house. For us, we take what God has said to us into our next home and we pick it all up. So even the word about this room being filled, we pick it up and we put it into a new room. And we say to ourselves, we believe that that same God that said to us this room will be filled will fill the room that we move into. So we pick it all up. At the end of today, we're going to say to you, take all of your belongings from this place because we will not be coming back in the foreseeable future. I also want to say to you, take all of the prophetic over your lives and over this church with you as you leave. Do not leave a single thing that God has said. Pick it up, take it with you. With the people of God, therefore what God has spoken over us, we get to take with us. Ezekiel did this very brave thing and prophesied to the bones. He said, you'll live, bones. And the bones started coming together Flesh went on them and they started moving around and living. It was an extremely brave thing to do. I feel like that's what God is asking of us now, to be brave like Ezekiel and take him at his word and start speaking it into somewhere new, where we will need to speak to things and say, you will live now, you will know life now. When, I, when we went to the youth centre, as I walked around, I thought, like, we would be good for this place. When I think about the prophetic in Ezekiel's life, because he spoke, because he dared to trust God, it was good for the bones. It was good for them. They were no longer dry and lay. They they had life and breath and something transforming happened to them. That's what it's like when you listen to God, act on it, speak it and do it. Something happens in an environment that is transforming and beautiful and amazing. Something happened because we moved here and started this church. Something has happened because you guys have moved here and helped us lead this church. There's something happens in the spiritual when we take God at his word and we do what he has asked us to do. That's really, if I'm honest, what it means to be a Christian is to love Jesus, listen to what he says and do it. It's very simple, the Christian life, in lots of ways. You have to give your life to someone else and say, okay, you're in charge now. And then whatever he says, we do it. And not always, because I don't, but we try, don't we, to do whatever he says. That second scripture spoke about us being a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, and a people belonging to God. That's, those are things that I feel like we need to remember and take hold of. Those are things that we need to remember and take hold of every day of our lives. I think the word chosen, royal, holy and belonging are such powerful words for us. For us as Christians and for us as a people of God. That we need to remember that before the beginning of time, God chose you to be in his family. That's powerful. That changes lives, that there's something about the people of God that's royal, 
that we get to be be with Christ, we get to work alongside him, that we get to move in his power and his inheritance and his worth. And there's something very enabling about it. I I feel like God doesn't want us to be people who just kind of lie down and go, oh, well, we lost where we were supposed to be, I suppose we'll go here. I feel like there's something that needs to be royal amongst us that kind of rises and says, do you know what, this will now be our place and we will rule and reign here. We're a holy people. If you know Jesus, your sins have been forgiven. So you're basically washed clean. There's something amazing about that and releasing about that. So you don't have to do as you're told. You do as you're told because you're ones who've been forgiven. It's just lovely. I don't know a place like it. I don't know a place where you have total acceptance and forgiveness apart from in God, where you get to be holy just because he died on a cross and says so. You get to be holy and you get to belong We get to be the people of God here. So we get to move and go somewhere else, but we still get that sense of we belong. We belong to something bigger than this building, this place. We belong to Jesus. So I want us to not forget where we have come from. Our first meeting in this room, there were 16 of us. We are now regularly getting 48, 49, 50 of us. It's lovely. I don't want us to forget what God did here. I don't want us to forget what a blessing this has been to us, how it's helped us grow. Our kids are just amazing and filling a room. The first week out there, there were four of them. That's very different. This has a very different feel to what we began with. God has done some really beautiful things here. In, in, In all of your lives, I've seen people grow and take on gifts and I've seen people prophesy. I've seen people sing out songs, be in worship teams who've never done that before. You might come in here and look around and think, oh, they're all pros, they all know what they're doing. For many here, this will be the first time they have ever done what they are doing. That is so lovely. I don't want us to forget where we have come from, but I do not want us to leave anything behind here. I don't want us to be nostalgic and think, we'll just leave that in the corner. Because, you know, God did a lovely work here and we just love it here. I don't want us to always be referring back to it as, oh, yeah, remember when? I want us to pick it all up and take it all with us. Because we're the people of God and those words belong to us. Those experiences belong to us. Old Testament was about a temple, was about a place. New Testament was about people. It was about a people belonging to God who carried something of him. That's what I want us to be like. I don't want you to forget who you are. In this transition, you must not forget that God has called you, chosen you, you're holy, you're a belonged people. I don't want you to forget that in our move. And I do not want us to forget what God has said to us. So he has said we will be a large, influential, reproducing church. That real life church is an authentic place to be where people really meet Jesus and people really know each other. I don't want us to forget that. In Malachi 1 verse 11 it says, From the rising of the sun to its setting, my name, that's the Lord's name, will be great among the nations. And in every 
place, incense will be offered to my name and a pure offering, for my name will be great amongst the nations, says the Lord of hosts. I think sometimes, I've heard it said on Alpha courses, people say, God's a little bit arrogant, isn't he? Like he's always talking about himself. He's always saying, I'm so great and people should worship me. He has a little bit of an air of arrogance about him. And I think, in a, in a right way, yes, because he rightly is above all things. He rightly deserves all our praise. He rightly is the biggest, the greatest. So in lots of ways, I do think God can puff his chest and strut around and say, this is who I am. However, the same God came in a low way to us, humble, died on a cross, scorned its shame, but then rose up and now is the undefeated king and has this kind of rule and reign. I want us to be a people that remember that, that remember who it is we are following, what it is he has said to us and where it is we are going. We are to be a large, influential, reproducing church. Not because Stuart and I are somehow an amazing couple, not because you are somehow an amazing group of people. I do believe you are. But not because of that, but because God has said, I will be great among the nations and my name will be known among the nations. Because he has said that his brilliance, his loveliness should be talked about and known about on the earth. So I want to encourage us today, pick up your belongings when you leave. I know God has amazing stuff for us as a local church. I know we will encounter things that where we look around and go, this valley is full of dry bones. I know there will be things that come up against us that we think, what is going on here? I also know we will be the kind of people that speak to the bones and say, live. I know we will be the kind of people that say, we belong to God and we want you to belong too. I know we will be large, influential and reproducing. And it feels to me almost irrelevant where it is we choose to meet. What is important is that us as a people get who we are, what we're called to, and the God we follow and serve. So don't forget your belongings here this morning. Literally, take your belongings. Prophetically, take your belongings. Don't forget that God has died for you and spoken to you and caused you to be in this place today. Don't forget that. And don't forget when we go into the youth centre that it's okay to look around and say, do you know what, it's dirty here. Do you know what, the toilets are a bit scruffy. It's okay for us to take stock and say, this is a very different venue. It's okay for us to clean it up a bit and breathe life into it. It's okay for us to be honest and real with each other. If anyone comes up to me and says, this place is splendid, I'd probably laugh first. It's okay for us to say that and then it's okay for us to look at what God has said to us and it's okay for us to then get on as the army of God really and say, okay, we're taking this. For now, that will be our place where we meet. Who knows what's next? I said to Stuart, we may even end up back here at some stage. For now, we're done here. Sorry? Were you really? Oh, I like you already. <laughs> I'm going to take you up on that. Every week, Sunday morning, we will serve you tea and coffee and donuts. Might even give you some people to join you. We will definitely need to do that. You are very welcome to join us in it. <laughs>
rubber gloves. I will provide rubber gloves, scourers, bleach, you name it, you can have it. Real Life Church, I feel excited for us. I said to Stu and he said, I don't think I can speak this Sunday. I said, I really felt this kind of prophetic sense of God moving us on and not us being at the mercy of the school has made a decision but us being at the mercy of God and and knowing that he has a big call over our lives and knowing that the next chapter for us for us means more growth and more people getting to know God one thing that excites me most look around you tell me if you see any teenagers sitting next to you do you see them anywhere One thing that excites me about this place is that they have a whole group of young people that meet there week in, week out. We lack teenagers. And I've been saying to Stuart for weeks before we knew about this, we have to find a bunch of them from somewhere. Because it's going to be a while before our kids are teenagers. Most of our kids are under five. So we need to find a whole bunch. I feel like... Us meeting in the youth centre, the guy said to us, one of the things is a lot of young people hang around, you may get some coming in on Sunday. I was like, come on. <laughs> like, donuts, danishes, hot chocolate, pool tables, chats. Me personally, I'm going to be in my element. So I feel like God has great stuff for us. So let's with faith look in reality at what God has done here, where we're going, what he's doing in our lives, but then let's listen to what he's said and let's act accordingly. I'm going to invite you to stand. We're going to worship Jesus now. I would love you if you want to pray, prophesy, read scripture, to feel free to do that. This is a free worship time. I want us to pray for what is next, but I want us first to marvel at our beautiful Jesus. If you do not know Jesus in this room, let me tell you, he is lovely and well worth knowing. He died on a cross in our place for our sin. The Bible's very clear about that. So every wrong thing you've ever done, he died in your place for your sin. So that, not so that you could get a free pass to heaven or so that you could, you know, get in by the skin of your teeth, so that you could be in relationship with him so that you could know him, so that he could know you. And you also get a free place in heaven. (laughs) But so that you could know him. So if you would like to stand and worship him today, if you would like to know him, chat to me at the end or during worship. Amen.